welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Oh yes, it is Thursday. That means it's time. It's time to get these locks. It's time to pick these locks. We're uh, we got we got Barton Simmons. We got Tom Fernelli. We have gathered together um, to compete against each other to give you the information that you need for the weekend. Tom's trying to uh, Tom's trying to make you trust the process. Wants mm-hmm. to give you the money. Barton wants to give you winners. And I, I'm just I'm just here to try and play catch up because in our competition, gentlemen, you all you all are both uh, both in the lead. To review, what did you say, Tom? I was going to ask you what was the record of the process last week? Oh, the overall record of the process, or just yeah. for for this competition? I just for this competition. You ended up three and zero, right? Oh, oh, really? Oh, wow. Three and zero. Like, th- wait, hey, three and zero because of oh no 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 you got it at fifty six right for the UNC Cal over under because uh-huh. for those who had it at fifty nine props to Larry Fedora for calling timeout <laughs> when you're down two scores at the one yard line and breaking up a fight Larry Fedora is here to win you money because even if you had fifty nine and you had the over that meaningless so called meaningless touchdown it counted so. There- Larry trusts the process, and he didn't want anybody to lose trust in it, so he made sure to get it. <laughs> um, Barton, you are net one, so Tom is plus three. You are plus one after hitting on Alabama, Michigan, and Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech killed me. God, how did they not cover? No, they did cover. They did cover. I was not thinking. Yeah, no, they no, did no. Cover. They what? still broke our hearts because I the one I was, no the one I was the one that I was frustrated with. with UCLA was the one that made the furious comeback. I actually got the W, but didn't give me the cover. That yeah. one was just a wrong call by me, though. I will I will take that loss. I had a bad read on A and M. I I but need no to... more. I'm gonna fade A and M the rest of the year. Kellenmond. <laughs> uh, I I'm gonna go ahead and I have to offer my uh, apologies to to all the Tennessee fans who lit me up uh over that so impressive one point win apparently paul johnson did not coach circles around butch jones right no well he might have but the trash can coached circles around everybody (laughs) um i am minus one so i am four behind four behind tom two behind barton i hit on unc cal Felt good about Cal covering 12. Had no idea that they were going to uh, win that game in Chapel Hill. App State never really had a chance. And West Virginia plus four, you know, I, I feel like that was a that was a game I'm not going to feel bad about losing. That's just taking the L. West Virginia played good in that game. Don't you think? You just got Vegas. You just got Vegas. All right. New, you know, uh, the, the takeaway, yes, Tom is ahead in our, uh, in our standings after week one. But if, if loyal listeners took every lock, then they'd be three up. They'd be they they'd be in the they'd be in the black. They'd be making money, uh, com- combined by all three of us. So uh, I think it's a win for the pod. All right, uh, do y'all uh, do y'all want to do y'all want to jingle it up? Yes. 
please. We're picking locks. My blue plate special five star locks are coming. Come get these locks. Five star master lock. Lock it up. You want these locks? I'm 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 living and dying every every point every cover. I like the echo. <laughs> On, I uh, feel like Clark I'm the odd man out here because in the in the 70s cop sitcom, there I could totally see a Chip and Fornelli, <laughs> Chip, <laughs> Ch- Chip and Fornelli, yeah, just just partners in you know fighting crime. But there's no Chip and Barton, Barton and Fornelli. That's there's no Bartons in the 70s. You could be like our captain, who's always getting ticked <laughs> off at us for not playing by the rules. But right. damn it, we get the job done. <laughs> Right, right. Captain Simmons, always yeah. always a downer. Chewing out a cigar. <laughs> when are you guys going to get your acts together? Yeah, Badges <laughs> and guns on the table. You're both suspended. Sorry, <laughs> Captain. <laughs> uh, stop for you. <laughs> All right, I, we, because of our pre-show conversations, I know Tom's got the hip picks. Don't worry, yeah. we will hit you with the headline games. I've got uh, a couple of headline game plays, but since you do have the lead, Tom, you've got the honors on the tee box. So um, what you got? Let's go with your first one for week two. Um, probably one of the biggest games of the weekend. I am taking New Wait. Mexico oh. minus seven versus New Mexico State in the huge rivalry down there in New Mexico. Um Rolling with an option team worked really well for me last week with Navy against FAU, and I just see a similar kind of situation in this game as well. New Mexico, an option team, likes to run the ball. New Mexico State, while its defense is better than you might expect from New Mexico State, still not all that sturdy against the run. It was a close game last year in the rivalry game, but that was at New Mexico State. This one's at New Mexico. I just think that over the course of 60 minutes, the Lobos are going to build up a lead. And this line originally opened at 11 and a half, and it's been bet down to seven. So I feel really good about this one because I'm expecting about a two to three score win here for the Lobos. Hmm. What do we know about New Mexico State? We know that it will soon be an FCS program. Oh, no, wait, that's Idaho. Yeah. No, that's, I think that's <laughs> no, it is New Mexico, Mexico State, State, too. Yeah. Yeah. We know it'll soon be an FCS program and that the Sun Belt isn't exactly crying a river to lose it mm. um, so so new mexico is the fighting bob davies just to just to clarify yes. because it's a little it can get a little bit complicated out there at those two uh schools that uh, that i haven't watched in about three years <laughs> uh, so yes that's that sounds interesting i will keep an eye on that i'll watch it <laughs> i'll watch it on the score tracker uh, I'll let you handle the the duties of actually watching the game. Because New Mexico uh, had was it last season or the season before they were like one of the best rushing offenses in the country, moving the ball oh, on yeah. the ground. Yeah, they're always one of the. I mean, they're an option team, so just technically, as far as the stats are concerned, they're always going to be one of the best rushing teams in the country. But they've just been. I mean, for a Mountain West program, they're not like a team that's going to win the Mountain West to compete for a New Year's Six spot or anything, but they've been a solid you know, group of five team the last few years. Mm. All right. So New Mexico minus seven. Barton, what's your first lock? I'm playing the hits. You know, you come to my concerts, you're not going to hear my my passion projects. You're going to hear <laughs> the hits, okay? So I'm coming out of the gates with Stanford USC, all right? the the, the One of the three big games of the weekend. Uh, look, 
this this line really surprised me when it opened. Uh, it would opened at like six and a half, seven. Um, to me, I watched that USC game in week one against Western Michigan, and my biggest takeaway is that Western Michigan, their offensive line totally controlled the line of scrimmage. And uh, we talked about it, Chip, that Western Michigan didn't even really have a pass game to speak of. Mm-hmm. And and they just ran the ball steadily, consistently, all game long. Um, you know, if, if, if USC is going to have some questions about physicality up front, Stanford is going to make you face those, like from the first snap to the last. Stanford is going to be super physical. And the other issue that I noticed with USC is just they don't really have the the plethora of freaky wide receiver targets on the outside, and they happen to be going against maybe my favorite defensive backfield in college football at Stanford. Um, I like Stanford to win this game. I don't know what the line is at right now. I think Stanford is catching six. like six. Is it six yeah. down to six? Okay. Yep. Um, so I, I like Stanford in this game. Um, they've there, There's this perception, I guess, that like USC is is – you know, should be. I think USC came to this this season as a as a national title favorite. And Chip, when we talked to Ryan Abraham yesterday, his vibe wasn't that this team should be a national title no. favorite. He was sort of like, let's let them earn it. And this is to me like just Stanford looked better in Week One, and Stanford has actually dominated this series. They've won eight of the last eleven, seven of the last nine. So. I don't understand why this line is where it is. Um, I'm going to take Stanford, and I'm going to feel pretty good about it heading into the game. Uh, I've got Stanford, too. Uh, for our, our expert picks, by the way, for all top 25 games are available at cbssports.com. I've, I've got Stanford, too, uh, covering this spread. And I, I, I'll go with you. I'm expecting Stanford to win. There's only one thing that could get in the way, and that's if Keller Christ is a little loose with the ball. Stanford's only lost five games in the last two years, and each one of those losses, the common thread between them all is they lost a turnover battle. So if if Stanford loses this game, I think it will be because of self-inflicted mistakes because for all the advantages that you just mentioned, Barton, and for what we saw against Western Michigan, and the, the wide receivers, it's funny you mentioned that because what, the other note that I got from Ryan Abraham is this talented group of wide receivers. It's like they might be good later, but they're not ready yet. The younger ones, at least. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're still growing into this. And I, I don't I have said up front, like, I don't think that we need to jump off the Sam Darnold train. I expect Sam Darnold to have a pretty good game. I think he's going to, you know, he's going to make things very exciting. And, and it's just a matter to me of, of Stanford just being built to hand it to USC. Like, if, if USC is going to have trouble fitting in the run game and have trouble, um, you know, being physical at the point of attack in the defensive interior – like those are areas where where Stanford's going to be licking their chops, and so I, I just like this matchup from a strengths and weaknesses standpoint. I could see USC getting it all together and and ironing things out and and getting a, a rematch in the Pac-12 championship game and winning. But I think right now, to where these teams are at today, I I like Stanford in this game. 
Yeah, I like Stanford, too. And just some advice for those who are following our picks. If you are going to make a play on Stanford, I suggest doing it quickly because, like Martin mentioned, this line opened originally at five and then jumped up to seven, and it's now down to six. But over 70% of the money is currently coming in on Stanford, so I would expect that number to get even smaller. So I would get it now at six while you still can because I don't know how long it's going to be there. Mm. All right, so New Mexico minus seven, Stanford plus six. Uh, my first play, I've got I've got a couple of the hits, and of course, since I'm a company man, I will be hitting the CBS game, but that will come later. This is the one that I'm excited about because I want to break the game down. The line scares uh, scares the hell out of me. It, it, I'm talking about Ohio State, Oklahoma. Seven and a half, maybe it's seven. This game, to me, feels like we're going to see some points, and so my play is over 65. I think that what Oklahoma saw from the Indiana game is an opportunity to pick on some of those defensive backs of Ohio State, and I think what Ohio State is going to find in Oklahoma is a defense that, while it has been good enough to lead Oklahoma on like a 16-game Pac-12 winning streak, uh, it's also a defense that, when you compare it statistically to the rest of the country is above average not necessarily elite so with all the skill position talent on Ohio State J.K. Dobbins Paris Campbell and with all of the offensive uh, ability that we have with Baker Mayfield and this attack I see this game I have no idea how this game is going to end up flipping I feel like Ohio State should be the winner especially being at home but I like what last year's game was like 45 to 24 and i yep. think i don't think e- either team finishes with less than 24 to 27 points in this game so i'm going to go uh 65 i feel like it could be a fun shootout and uh, i won't feel bad rooting for points in a game with two explosive offenses thoughts i i i don't blame you for that i mean i like that better than i like the point spread in this one but I, I don't know. I, I don't have a really confident read on this one either way. I, I took Ohio State minus the points. I don't feel great about it. As far as the over-under goes, my, my official pick for the final score in this game was 35-27 Ohio State, which would come in at the under. But I this, this could be a game where both teams easily reach the 30s, or this could be a game, I, I feel like, where maybe Oklahoma's offense will struggle a bit, and you know that could keep it under, just because simply... Based on what we've seen from this Oklahoma team with Baker Mayfield the last few years, while they've lit up teams in the Big 12 and other non-conference games, when they've gotten to the playoff or when they've played Ohio State during the regular season, when they go against teams with really good defensive lines, they haven't been nearly as potent as they have against other teams. So I worry slightly about Oklahoma, which makes me a slightly into the under. But I feel like this is probably going to be within a point or two of the line either way. Well, I uh, that's I've in, I've considered that in my you know realm of possible outcomes, and that's where it's like even if this is a blowout with as fast as Oklahoma can score, like they might not come crashing through the back door at plus seven and a half. But they might come crashing through the back door of that over under, scoring some yeah. late touchdowns real quick. Uh, I don't know, Barton. What's your what's your general read on this game? Do you have this included in your picks? No, no, I, I stayed far away from this one. Uh, I I do though. I do like the over. I I think if there was if there is one play of the four sort of options in this one, I think over is is what I would take. I you know last year I picked Oklahoma in this game. And and obviously got burned. I 
I still don't trust Ohio State. It's it's you know what we saw against Indiana is was eerily similar to what we saw last year, but they like Tom said. I mean, they just they seem to take care of business in these games. Oklahoma seems to come up short in these kind of games. Um, I I think with the seven and a half, like seven in the hook, there makes me want to take Oklahoma. Just assuming that they're going to stay, you know, it'll be a be a one score game, but Ohio State wins. But I almost feel like that's kind of what Vegas wants you to think. I know. Um, I feel like I got tricked into taking Oklahoma in our expert picks. I don't feel good about it. I do not feel. I think I did the same thing, and I don't feel good about it either. Um, but I. But no. I like Oklahoma is going to try to run a lot of plays. They are going to be. They're going to be foot on the gas the entire game. Ohio State might mix up pace a little bit, but they're still going to be. Uh, you know, very explosive against that Oklahoma defense. The, if anything, there's going to be points scored. I cannot see this being like a 24 to 20 type of game. There's just that that's not going to happen to me. This is a this is a 42 35 kind of game, even with that o- Ohio State defense, because Oklahoma's got a they've got a uh, a, a uh, offense that can neutralize that talented defensive line. So uh, this feels like a fast paced game to me as well. All right, um, and so for the record, just for those keeping track, we all are terrified of this line um, And uh, the, on the expert picks. Not our locks, but on the expert picks. Tom probably with the smart decision, and uh, Barton and I holding on tight, hoping for a thriller. I'm the, I didn't realize I was such a contrarian with that pick, looking at the rest of our expert picks. I'm the only one to take Ohio State. Yeah, everybody everybody out here uh, on the uh, on the Sooners here. All right. Uh, makes, make, makes me like your pick even more, Tom. Oh, yeah, same here. Like, I, I never like being like the, you know, that, that scares me when I'm, I'm on the side of, of everyone else. Me too. I feel the same way. Like, I'm pretty sure Barrett's going to kill that Indiana State covering against Tennessee pick. <laughs> uh, I don't... Uh, you think? Is is that the Monday night? I could totally see that. I actually struggled with that one. Like yes. I, I really uh, thought about that hard about that one. The, it's like how how much is Tennessee really going to care anyway? Is that the Monday night hangover pick? Maybe. I was I was going to pick Indiana State in that one while we're off track on this, but the my one thing that brought me back into Tennessee is they they need like a show of force for the fan base. Like they need to run this thing up if at all possible. Like they, they need to find a way to win this by a hundred if they can, just to to make the Tennessee fans happy again. Because there, there's not a lot of enthusiasm right now after a, a an ugly, you know, near loss to Georgia Tech with 700 yards of offense given up. How does uh how do you how do they find those lines for the games like that? I have no idea. Does do our bosses just make them up? <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't think so, because, I mean, you would think if they were doing that for the FCS games, they'd use the same line for all of them. But there's different lines in each one. And I, I can't stand it, by the way. And I think I was like, oh, for three or oh, for four on the FCS games in, oh, yeah. in week one. It's like, listen, if we if we just stuck with the with the FBS, I'd be in good shape. I'd be above 500. But no. Uh, all right. Let's go. Tom, what you got? Uh, for my next pick, I'm going to the annual ACC Rock Fight of the Century. Oh, yeah. Wake Forest at Boston College. The under 47, and I'm telling you now, hammer it as you're listening to me speak because the number's going to keep going down when Vegas realizes how 
big of a mistake they made putting this total that high. A uh, quick history lesson. As I mentioned, these teams are in the same division. They play every year. The last time they played a game that ended with more than 47 points was a 27 to 24 overtime game that Boston College won back in 2009. <laughs> so it's been a while since then. In the nine games since then, there's been an average of 33.1 points per game. The over-under is at 47. I think it speaks for itself. I Are we worried that Boston College no. is out here running hurry up? <laughs> no, we're not worried. Are we worried that Wake Forest hung half a hundred for the first time in 40 years? Against? Against these blue hoes ain't loyal. <laughs> <laughs> Presbyterian. No. I mean, listen, we might see a high-scoring affair here. It might be 20 to 19. But the but principal play. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I actually thought long and hard about this game. I have this weird, like, infatuation with Boston College. There's, I, There's nothing I weird really, about it. It's, it's a very lovable football program. I, I can't, you know, I, I really, I, I want to, I want to pick this team all the time because <laughs> I think when I watch them on offense, somehow I enjoy watching it, even though they're so bad. <laughs> I think, I like there's something, there's this like, there's something about the way they operate offensively that intrigues me. I, I was, I watched some of the, their, their week one game. Anthony Brown looked extremely talented at quarterback. Now he, Made some mistakes. He's he's a he's a first year player, uh, but I liked what he brought to the table at the quarterback position. They got a couple playmakers on the outside that they haven't had in the past. Um, you know, Kobe White, another redshirt freshman, made a couple plays. I, I like the tight end, Tommy Sweeney, and obviously we know what they do on defense. I you know I, the the biggest reason I stayed away from this game on the total and on the side is because. There, you know, I I am nervous to pick against Wake Forest at this point in the season because we're not sure yet. This is Dave Clawson's fourth year. He's he's gotten incrementally better every year. He's finally got a lot of experience on this roster. I think there's a small chance that Wake Forest could be pretty good this year. But um, so I this is this game. Is a game that even with the you know an expected point total of, of thirty two or whatever the hell, the, I, I'll want to watch it. I'll just be interested in what these teams look like playing each other. I I love this game. I love it it's, every year. It's one of the games of the year, man. It's always one of the games of the year. Oh my goodness, uh, I love it. All right, Barton, what's your what's your next what's your next pick here? All right, I'm gonna keep on keep on swinging for the fences here with uh, another prime time. Big league matchup, Auburn Clemson. All right, I got I got a lock here. What's yours? Um, I'm going with the Clemson Tigers. Minus five and a half. Yeah, minus five and a half. Yeah, me too. What? Okay. What, what you think? Yeah. So my my reasoning here's what I think. I think first of all, I was also really close to taking the the under. I think these these teams are both. Uh, I think the strengths of both these teams are, are on defense. And the if if the number was just a little higher, it got down to I think it's like fifty three and a half now. Yeah. If it was up to like even like you know fifty six or something in that range, I'd probably be jumping on the under. I, I think there's, 
I, I worry that these defenses are so good that a turnover could turn into points. Like a turnover could turn into a pick six or a scoop and score. Um, but here, here's ultimately my reason for picking Clemson is I think Jarrett Stidham, after watching him week one, and Brandon Marcello mentioned this on our on our show the other day, is you know there's some there is some turnover inclination there with Jarrett Stidham right now. It, that might go away. That might diminish as the season goes on. But to, to jump into the fray here, week one, and, or week two, and and expect him to be perfect against a Clemson defense that I think is going to be really opportunistic and, and really tough to handle, I think that's a lot to ask of him at this point in the season. The other thing that, I, I again, with as good as both of these defenses are, I look at the personnel around the quarterbacks, and I see a lot more potential big plays out of Clemson's skill players than I do out of Auburn skill players. And I talk about the running backs. I'm talking about the receivers. And I think if they can bust one of those, that gives Clemson that that edge. I think Clemson's got a big gain or two in them. I don't know that I see as many of those in, in Auburn's offensive personnel. So to me, with between this being a home game for Clemson um, and, and between what I, what I think is a slight offensive advantage in terms of just continuity – um, I, I just I like Clemson to win this by about a touchdown. Yeah, I I think Clemson is a touchdown better, and if Jarrett Stidham is holding on to the ball too long, then he's going to end up with his back on the ground and Dexter Lawrence just on top of him. Like this is this is a fascinating test of Auburn's offensive line, and this is a great opportunity to see Cam Petway. And there's a lot that we can learn about this Auburn team in terms of whether they're going to be able to make it through the SEC West uh, and be in that Iron Bowl with a chance to play for the division title. But I, I just don't see right now – this doesn't feel like uh, a win and my confidence in Clemson is going to have me taking anything under seven. They feel a touchdown better. I feel so good about that. I feel really good about that. How good? So good that um, I believe that they might win by 10. Ooh. I could see this final score being like 20. I could see it, yeah. 27 to 17. Actually, yeah, sounds I, like a pretty good score. I took Clemson as well in the expert picks and in pick six. It's not one of my locks of the week, but I would go, to, go back to what Bart was talking about earlier. I also love the under in this game. I think that's the safest play in this game compared to anything. What's the uh, what is the over under? It's at fifty three and a half currently. Mm. Okay, and, I, I feel that, like this is a twenty something to twenty something game. Right. Well, I think see the 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 reason I I did because I was toying with with making the under my lock. The reason I stayed away is like I said, I could see this the defenses like offenses score a collective you know, 45 points or whatever. But I could see defenses then pitching in another 10 <laughs> or, you know, uh, uh, you know, again, a pick six or a, a turnover in, in the opposing team's red zone or, or, you know, something of that nature. I think there's some big plays to be had by both of these defensive units. And that, that's, that in a sense, actually scared me away from the under because they're just so athletic that they could, you know, they could turn those into some points. Um, all right, so I've got Clemson minus five and a half as well. Um, let's. Does anybody have a Notre Dame Georgia play? 
I, I, uh, I'm happy to talk about it. Yeah, so, I, I think that I think that game deserves uh, some lip service before we get too deep into this podcast. I mean, it's it's a it's a big spot for both of these teams. What uh, they haven't played since uh, the Herschel Walker Sugar Bowl at the, yeah. at the end of the 1980 season. Uh, this is a Notre Dame team that put three 100-yard rushers out against Tumple, but uh, is going to find a much more uh, talented, certainly, defensive front at Georgia. You know, Brandon Wimbush, you know, we get Jake Fromm. Like, Barton, what's what's your general uh, feeling about this game? I like Notre Dame here, but I want to be clear it has nothing to do with Georgia's quarterback situation because I think Jake Fromm – is very capable of of winning this game. I think if you liked Georgia before the injury, you should like them after the injury too. Um, to me, this is about a couple things. One, a young, still fairly unproven offensive line for Georgia dealing with what I expect to be a, a really active Notre Dame defensive front. One thing Mike Elko does for Notre Dame really well is is attack protections. Noted, he, he, noted friend he, of the podcast, Mike Elko. He hasn't been on here, but we love him. Yes, yes, absolutely. He he does a really good job of of putting offensive lines in a bind. And I think, given that Georgia does have some some deficiencies there, I think he's going to be able to uh, to do that. Um, uh, on the other side of the ball, man, I'm telling you guys what. Like, I don't know if y'all watched the Notre Dame Temple game, but that offensive line for Notre Dame is good. Oh my goodness, <laughs> it's so much fun. Those guys are absolutely maulers, uh, especially on that left side with Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey. I mean, they were. It was, it was scary what they were doing to the temp- Temple um, defensive front seven. So. I think and as good as Georgia's defensive front is, I mean, App State was able to run the ball a little bit, and I think that there's going to be some holes opened up. To me, it's a, more about Notre Dame's ability to run the football, their ability to attack and, and give Jake Fromm some, some tricky looks defensively. Uh, I like Notre Dame in this one. I picked Notre Dame in this one. I am not overwhelmingly confident yeah in it, yeah and but, dis- uh, disclaimer again this that. is yeah this is not uh, our lock it's just a big just a great game uh one that will certainly have our attention tom what's what's your feeling here i i took georgia and the points because i just trying to look at how things are going to go in this game last week we, we mentioned you know you saw notre dame had 300 yard rushers against temple Georgia still has Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle, and both of these teams are coming into the game. Brandon Wimbush looked promising last week in his first start, but he's still a young and inexperienced quarterback for the most part, playing in what's easily the biggest game of his career to this point. Jake Fromm is making his first career start on the road at Notre Dame at a prime time in a huge game. I just have a feeling that both of these teams are going to want to take as much pressure off of their quarterbacks as possible in this one and rely on the run games and use the run game to really lead the offense for both sides. And when that's the case, I feel like this is going to be a lower scoring close affair. So that's why I took Georgia the points. But, I mean, this this could easily end up being a 24-17 to 17 Notre Dame win and Notre Dame covers at that point. So I don't have a great read on how it's – or at least I don't feel great about the spread, but I just feel like that's how the game is going to play out. So in those kind of situations, I'm going to take the points. 
so the total is at 57 and a half. Ooh. Is that so that as, as you talk like I actually think the best play in this is the under because yeah. I agree with you that well, the way I see this game playing out is neither team wants to be the one like I think both teams just play this fairly conservative and and try to lean on basically their run game. Like I think that Georgia's going to try to lean on those two running backs. I think Notre Dame's going to try to lean on their big offensive line, and I think it's going to be one of those games where, you know, no one wants to make that big mistake that shifts the tide. So, yeah, I think if I'm going to out a recommendation, just and you know, you got kind of got me thinking there, Tom. I I would play the under. I uh, what'd you do for uh, the expert pick straight up? Did you split the baby. Yes. Gotcha. So you, I, you know, I love call me King Solomon. I love cutting those babies in half. <laughs> Come for the Old Testament jokes. Stay for the locks. Um, all right. So Tom, you want to take this? I've got. I'm. I'm also. I got two up with the over in Ohio State, Oklahoma. I'm also on Clemson. Um, Barton's got Stanford plus six. Clemson minus five and a half. You've got New Mexico minus seven, Wake BC under. What you got? My final lock for this week, uh, we're going over for a game. And you're going to want to stay up late for this one for Arizona State and San Diego State are going to have a late kickoff on Saturday night. The over is currently at 55. And this Mm. is just another one of those instances where we've seen, like you just mentioned that the over-under in the Notre Dame-Georgia game is 57 and a half. Seems way too high. And I feel like there's this trend so far in the first two weeks where I'm looking at the point totals for some of these games. And I'm not entirely sure what they're thinking with setting them where they are. And I see 57 or it's this game opened at 57 and a half itself and has moved down to 55 but i just feel like arizona state san diego state i've i've been up till you know 1 2 a.m a lot of sunday mornings watching arizona state play football and i don't remember many of those games ending with less than 55 points i just feel like this is a line where personally i pegged it as somewhere more of like in the 60 60 and a half range when i look at the matchup here so when i see it's at 55 i feel very comfortable taking the over in this one it's gonna be todd graham the defensive (laughs) whiz yes managed to like put together the most like big play vulnerable defenses in college football yeah i I like that play man it's gonna be so yeah pac-12 network graphics make me think about uh having bloodshot eyes and just straining to stay awake through the second overtime uh, it's going to be hot. It's going to be 97 degrees at kickoff in Tempe, Arizona. <sighs> Defenses are going to tire quickly. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I love that. I love that play. Um, all right. So New Mexico minus seven, Wake BC under 46, Arizona state, San Diego state over 55 Barton throw a lock at me. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with, Indiana heading to Charlottesville mm. and laying three, I believe, is where the line's at right now. Um, I'm going to take Indiana. Um, I, I, the, the bottom line for me is I, I think Indiana is a good football team. And I know that there is the, the danger of big-time atmosphere Thursday night at home Ohio State, national television, 
contrasted with 11 a.m. game at University of Virginia with nobody watching. How do you get up for it? Like that's that's not lost on me. I, I, I get the danger in this pick. But uh, that said, I think what that Ohio State game did, like everyone looks at the final score and they lost by 28 or whatever it was. But I, I think, first of all, I think they're really well coached. I think Tom Allen is a, is, is a really good head coach. And I think that Indiana is going to look at that Ohio State game and look at that first half and have a lot of confidence taking away what they're able to accomplish both on offense and defense against Ohio State. I think a middle-of-the-pack Big Ten team, uh, Big Ten East team at that, heading down and playing maybe the worst team in the ACC is a matchup I feel good about. Uh, and then I've even got a little little statistic for you. Teams with high-profile losses in week one, high-profile to find as top 10 AP losses, are 63% against the spread in week two. And, and the, the, the bigger those losses, the, the better their bounce back is the following week, the more likelihood. So I like Indiana to bounce back after the loss to Ohio State, head down to Charlottesville, take care of business against a, a Virginia team that I think is still finding its way um, under Bronco Mendenhall. That's some stats. That's a deep cut stat. That's, <laughs> I, I like it. Um, what do you What do you think about that, Tom? I I'm I mean I I feel pretty good about it. I think Indiana's probably going to win this game, and it's I like Bronco Mendenhall as a coach. And I think that he's going to be able to improve Virginia over time. I just don't think they're there yet. And I think, like Barton alluded to, Indiana is a much better team than most people generally give it credit for. It, it looked better last week against Ohio State for the first 40 minutes than I ever expected. I thought there was going to be a much more difficult transition for that team going from the Kevin Wilson air raid, let's just try to score a million points and you know give up some, to Tom Allen's, let's just not let anybody score. <laughs> you know, I, I thought there was going to be a rougher transition, but they look like they've adjusted pretty quickly, and I think they're a better team than Virginia, so I, I like it. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, my my next lock, and I've got four, and I and I, I'm going to ask, I'm going to petition the committee for a fifth because there's no line on it, <laughs> but I'm willing to say. Uh, but, all right, we'll get to that in a second. On CBS, the first college football game on CBS for the 2017 season, we got TCU at Arkansas. I love the Hogs plus three and a half, and I think they win this game. And to back this up, I want to put a spotlight on freshman Chase Hayden. Chase Memphis Hayden, boy. What? Yeah, I was Barton. What's What's our what's our Chase Hayden uh, feeling? What do we what do we remember about him from uh, from high school? Love him, son of Aaron Hayden, former UT great, who Tennessee never quite pushed for the kid's commitment uh, until it was too late. Uh, played at a smaller school in Memphis, so there was some question about you know competition level was super uh, super productive at that level, but. Um, for whatever reason, like he never was that just, you know, every blue blood in the country wanted him. He had, he had a, a nice offer list, uh, but um, kind of uh, no one could get fully sold on him. Ended up at Arkansas. He is extremely athletic, great pass catcher, 
not your typical Arkansas north-south back, a guy that gives them something different. Uh, but yes, he is. He's, he's he looked, really good. He looked ready. He looked good. I mean, Florida A and M, sure, but in, just in terms of uh, being a true freshman, showing up, you know, you're stepping into a spot where they need. You know, Raleigh Williams is gone. They they need someone else to emerge there. Devoy Whaley is a, a player from Texas. I do like a lot. Uh, but in terms of being able to uh, just provide another body for that attack, um, you know, I I am still waiting to believe in TCU, and I think that when they show up to Arkansas for this game, this like very very big game for Brett Bielema and uh, building some confidence going into this season, I I, I think Arkansas gets them here. What do y'all think? I am looking forward to watching this game. Yeah, I am staying the hell away from it as far as any kind of gambling angle. I there's nothing to it. I like it. Just all smells fishy to me. I'm I'm right there with you, Tom. I have I have no idea, no idea what's going to happen in this game. None. I couldn't. I I can't. I, I I mean, I could talk about both teams. I feel like, but in terms of like having a feel for what's going to actually take place in this game, just I might as well be like from Mars. Like I, I, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I just so the, the the one thing I would say, like, I I watched. I was coming into the season, I was a little bit down on on Arkansas in terms of what my expectations were for them, and I was high on Mississippi State. I watched some film from Mississippi State Arkansas, like before the season started from last year, and just to to it, it reminded me how good Arkansas can be on offense. They were awesome that game and it's if if they can get it rolling again offensively to get back to their identity they're going to be pretty tough to handle i think um but i also think tcu got a chance to be like a, a dark horse big 12 champion contender so this is just a really hard for, one for me to pick mm. yeah and I, I understand like the enticing thing here when you first look at it is arkansas an sec team at home is getting points so it's, it's like hook. that kind of lures you in, but it's just, it's like, man, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, this game last year was insane. It was 41, 38, two overtimes. And I don't know if we're in for the same kind of thrill ride again this year or not, but I just, I don't, I don't like anything about this game. I mean, a home team with a field goal and a hook that I think is going to win in a bat, you know, what kind of game. Like, I, I just don't see TCU going in there and blowing them out. There's no way. Oh, neither do I. But I don't see that doesn't necessarily mean Arkansas's cover either. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I say lock it up. Arkansas plus three and a half. Woo pig. Let's go, Bert. Um, Barton. Give me another one. All right. So I'm still rolling. You know, I I can't I can't uh, I can't cut myself off at three. I'm gonna go down to. Um, Durham, Northwestern, North, North, Northwestern. Uh, all right, here's where I'm at. Duke, Northwestern. The total is 55. (sighs) I'm going above the total. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think this is going to be an overplay. Uh, so a couple, a couple things I like here. One is, I mean, Northwestern is, is beat up in the secondary. Their cornerbacks are, are decimated with injury right now. They're playing a really good quarterback for Duke. Uh, 
I also saw some of that Nevada game, and I expected the defense at Northwestern to be better than it was. It wasn't. I expected Northwestern's defense to to look more suffocating than it was against a team like Nevada. Um, and I just think you know people look at Northwestern Duke and they think, oh, a bunch of like white smart kids out there, like that's they're not going to score any. Like these guys, these are really good offenses to me. And they've got, you know, you look at Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, or Ohio State, Oklahoma game. These two quarterbacks are going to be drafted higher than the two quarterbacks in that game. Um, so I like these teams to be able to put up some points. And I was close to picking Northwestern in this, but I backed off. I'm just a little scared of it right now. But I'll go ahead and take points and, and pick the over. Duke's got playmakers. They got some. They got some speed. They got. They, mm, I like it. I wanted to pick Northwestern here, but I couldn't do it. I was close. I was very close. It feels like it's a Northwestern cover. It does. Road game. Um, Northwestern didn't look great, so there's going to be some overreaction in week one. So, I mean, that would be my second play in this one. But I, I just. I don't know quite enough about Duke yet. The one thing, the caveat on Duke is that their opening week game against NC North Carolina Central, that North Carolina Central team is is horrible. They were horrible. And so you can't really learn anything about Duke from that game. Um, I just think there's going to be some points scored. Tom? I... I like I like taking Northwestern minus the points. As far as the over is concerned, I, I agree. I thought Northwestern's defense last week was kind of a lot iffier than I expected. So I I I, I agree with a lot of the reasoning behind the overpick. It's just fundamentally, I am a hundred percent opposed to ever taking it over in a Northwestern <laughs> game. So <laughs> I, I can't I can't put my Official approval on that pick, although I, I agree with everything you said, but I personally I'm I'm more comfortable with Northwestern minus three. Like uh you mean when it's third and seven and Clayton Thorson has a wide open man in the flat and throws it four that feet. That doesn't over his happen head. anymore, Chip. <laughs> I don't He's know. Grown out Wait, of that. Listen, it was only Nevada, but Clayton looked really good last week. All right. All right. Lock number four for Chip. I, I hate to feel like I'm taking advantage of a circumstance that is very serious, but when you're giving me a 10.30 a.m. Eastern time kickoff <laughs> in Stores, Connecticut... Civil conflict. I am I am hammering the under in South Florida, Yukon. It's up at 66. You're telling me... 66? 66. Wow. That's going to come crashing down in the next few days. Yeah. 10, 10.30 a.m. kickoff with South Florida. Uh, they want to get out of there. Nah. That, this, this, game, this game gets decided in the mid-50s. I think this line is off by about 10. 10 points. So, yeah. I, I love it. UCF, UConn, under 66. The game's going to start. And no one's even going to really be ready for it yet. But when you tune in, it's only going to be seven nothing. You know, I game day is going to be just warming up as the game is entering the second quarter. Yeah, nah. It's it, by by the time Corsa is putting on headgear, uh, it will only have like ten to fourteen points on the board. 
Six, <laughs> 66 is far too much. Lock it up. Slam that under. If that if that hits as like an ugly, low-scoring game, would anyone have had a, a less exciting start to a coaching career than Charlie Strong at USF? <laughs> I'm I mean, saying. good grief. 3-0, and baby. <laughs> He's going to quietly like get this thing to – Seven and zero, and like hype's and gonna they'll be build. ranked like twelfth in the country, and you'll look back and be like, "Wait, you guys remember they almost lost to Stony Brook, right?" <laughs> yeah. and, <laughs> and they were down sixteen nothing to San Jose hey, State. Hey, hey, the rest of the season might tell us a tale about Stony Brook being an excellent team. Now. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, do you have a fifth lock? You know, I can't. I can't resist. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's your fifth lock? You guys know I can't stay away. All right, um, this one I've I've wrestled with for about the past twelve hours, like whether or not I'm going to put this in my in my locks or not. But ultimately, I just can't. I can't lay off this. I, I'm I'm going Utah over BYU. Yeah. Um, it the line opened at at BYU favored by one. It has since moved to Utah by one, so I'm so the, I'm locking it in at, at Utah minus one, and I, for the life of me, I can't understand it. And maybe that's a reason why I should stay away from it. But why is Utah only favored by one point in this game? BYU. There was two consecutive weeks now where BYU has looked utterly unathletic, and I know one of those weeks was against. LSU and they can make a lot of teams look unathletic but the other one was against Portland State and they're not supposed to make you look unathletic and so I've got some issues with BYU from a personnel standpoint I also look at this game and I know it's it's you know BYU is going to have a lot to prove after that game against LSU it's at home it's in the evening and they you know this is always a competitive rivalry so I'm not saying Utah is going to blow them out but to act like, I mean, Utah's won the last six in this series. Yeah. This is a series that's been dominated by Utah of late. I think that Kyle Whittingham is a, is a frankly, I, I think he's a better coach than Kalani Sataki. And I think that they'll be ready. And, um, you know, I just, I, that wasn't a bad FCS North Dakota team that, that Utah beat in week one, and they handled them pretty easily. And I just there's nothing about this game that makes me think BYU is going to win it other than just it being a home game. So I, I, I make this pick with with full knowledge that it's a it's a fishy, smelly, stinky line. But I I need someone to tell me why I shouldn't make it. I mean, I listen, I, uh, I went back to watch the press conference and some so a little bit of LSU BYU and Kalani Sataki midweek this week was so disappointed in his offense and so disappointed in team magic Tanner Mangum like the 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 inability to have any success on first and second down against LSU meant that they were going up against the, like you mentioned, far superior LSU defense on third and long, and they never had a chance. I mean, the offense, like that game was still, Sataki was mentioning, that game was still 14 nothing at halftime. Like, still within striking distance if the offense could generate anything. And then the defense just wore down in the second half. I, 
I'm excited about the uh, the Tyler Huntley to Darren Carrington connection, which was alive and well in the opener, and I like your pick. Yeah, I and and the other, th- I mean, I think that this Utah team has got a system and offense that's going to be able to move the football, score a few points. I think Tyler Huntley is a dynamic kid at quarterback. Their defense is always good. Um, so I think the only way they lose this game is if they have a bunch of turnovers. And I, I just, I think Utah's a better team. My official advice. Yeah. Wait, I, I can't argue against taking Utah. It, it, that line was so strange when it came out and I can't believe it's only moved three points to this, to this point. But my advice is the game kicks off at 10, 15 PM on Eastern time on Saturday night. Wait as long as possible. Let the total keep going down and then hit the over right before kickoff. Mm, this game was 20 to 19 last year. It's going to go over this year. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be over this year. Well, what's, what is, what's the line at right now? What's the total at right now? Do we know? The total right now currently is at 46 and a half, but it's going down because people are hammering the under. And I think it's going to, it's, it's probably going to go down at least another point before it actually kicks off on Sunday. I didn't realize we, I didn't realize we got up to minus two. All right. So I'll, I'll, I will take that other point. So we're at minus two Utah, but I still ultimately, when you're looking at, like when you're looking at a one or two point line, you're basically just picking that they win, right? And and so I I refuse to believe BYU is going to win this game. I uh, people talk about Nick Saban versus former assistants. Kyle Whittingham is uh, building up his own nice little resume, uh, beating up on his former assistant head coach Kalani Sataki. I mean, both these dudes played at BYU. The staffs all know each other. They all have, have like gone back and forth. And Utah still just better team. I like it. Um, all right. My pick to submit. I don't know how we're going to get a line on this. And so I need to get a ruling from the rest of the group. I'm f- saying Jacksonville State plus whatever at Georgia Tech on Saturday. Here's my thinking. When Virginia Georgia, Georgia Tech is like you know, like like coming right out of the infirmary, like that dude, that Quan Marshall carried the ball like like he probably touched the ball 80 times on offensive plays. Jacksonville State has like 12 FB former FBS transfers. Yeah, I I, I there's got to be a line somewhere. I would like that. Um, the, yeah, I, I will be searching the, all of the, uh, the offshore books and I promise I won't just make it up from the, the guy who's sitting around the corner at the edge of the sports book, sports bar. Um, I, I feel like the, this is what I'm thinking about and, uh, and shout out to West Durham, uh, for, for pointing this one out. Cause I love the call. It was the Virginia tech Boise state big opener. Boise State beats Virginia Tech. Kind of a heartbreaking loss for them. A whole bunch of hype going into the game. Virginia Tech turns around the very next week on the short turnaround and loses to James Madison. Starts the season 0-2. I'm not saying that Georgia Tech's going to lose this game, but if I can get one of these funky CBS Sports expert FCS lines of like 31 and a half, I think that's a lot. I'll give you 31 and a half. Jacksonville State plus wanna- 31 and a half. Yeah, I'll let you lock it in at thirty-one and a half. All right. Well, that's like. Are we saying that that's the that's the? Uh, have you found a line there somewhere? No, no I have not. You're just but guessing. I'm, gu- 
I'm guessing it'll be about thirty something, low thirties. Well, I don't think we're, we're just I don't set, think, <laughs> we're just setting our setting our own life, just running a sports book on, I mean, on the podcast. I don't I don't that's what I'm I I if you don't want to do it that's fine I'm saying no, I'm I, just joking yeah go yeah. for it I don't care if, yeah I, I'm willing to give him I'm willing to have him lay thirty one and a half but ultimately okay. ultimately we are get we are we are giving winners to the people and uh, if if unless you're going to start taking some uh, some some action from the general public on thirty one and a half. Georgia Chip. Tech, Jacksonville State. Listen, if if you want to bet this game, you contact Chip on Twitter, <laughs> Facebook, email. He will take your action. He's laying the money on Jacksonville State plus 31 and a half. If you want to take Georgia Tech, you lay that money against him. He's willing to do it. So um, I don't have a five dimes account, but I would assume that on, at some point you would be able to get something on five dimes here. Maybe. I, I don't know. I, I mean... That's with these FCS games. A lot of books just, even though our editors don't, these books tend to stay away because you know there's not too much action on them, and they're really hard to get a read on. They, uh, they, they, they're gonna end up because that's the five dimes line was when I figured out that James Madison was favored against DCU and was unsurprised when James Madison got that win. Poor ECU. <laughs> ECU looking like a team I'm going to be dealing with a lot in the bottom 25 this year. Mm. Mm. Uh, anything obscure or any other lines, anything that we missed that we should uh, break down for the people? I got a couple. All right. <laughs> Barton's got like 15 <laughs> more games. They're all locks. <laughs> no, I've, my locks, I'm done with my locks. These are just I, – I want to discuss with you guys South Carolina, Missouri. Mm. That was one of the other lines in th- that I just was shocked to see that Missouri is coming into this one as a three-point favorite. I think it even opened at like maybe even five or six. Uh, I I like South Carolina in this game, but it's it's it scares me a lot. And I and I'm curious if you guys get that line because I don't get it. Missouri just gave up 56 points to Missouri State. No. Here's here's what it is. Uh, I think South Carolina's got a really bad record in Columbia, Missouri. I think I think they're no go. I think it's no go in Como. I think that's what we're dealing with. I like the under. Really? What's the What's the total? 72 and a half. I just think that's an overreaction to last week. Is it though? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's yes, it's very much overreaction to last week. Uh, at, you might be surprised to find out at some point that maybe Missouri did not come out exactly super excited to play, you know, Missouri State, <laughs> and they did tighten things up in the second half. So after maybe they got a little chewing out, they they oh we have to actually play football today. So I I expect Missouri's defense just just based on Barry Odom's history. To be a little bit tighter this week, so I see that over under at seventy two and a half, and I, I very much like the under. Yeah, that one, I, that one is that one scares me a lot. But I just I I so I'm I'm not making a wreck on that one. I just think that was a fascinating line, and I'm really interested to see what happens this game. I'm I am I'll be glued to this one because this is this will tell us a lot about Missouri, um, and I'm that's one of the more intriguing teams in college football to me. Uh, especially after what they allowed against uh, 
Missouri State. So that's interesting. Um, wait, 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 wait. That game starts at 7. You're telling me you're skipping all the other night games? Uh, How many TVs you got, bro? I'll have the I'll have the computer. I'll have the streaming. <laughs> I'll have that one streaming on the computer. It is not. Uh, it's not an ideal uh, Saturday night for for viewers in terms. The DVR of, will be queued up for that one. It's awful because they're every single game you want to watch on Saturdays on at the exact same time. Yeah, noon slate's a little rough, and then all of a sudden this thing at like says seven o'clock. Like we'll obviously have TCU Arkansas on CBS, and everyone's going to watch on CBS naturally. 7 o'clock, you start Auburn-Clemson. 7.30, you go to Ohio State-Oklahoma. 7.30, Notre Dame-Georgia. 8.30, USC-Stanford. That's brutal. I know. And they're all going to be at different points in the game, too. My emotions are just going to be all over the place. (laughs) It's going to be a head spinner. It is. All right, Barton, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no. Um... You know, the the only other ones that, that caught my eye as potential games, like I thought Louisville, North Carolina, um, I would – I'm all over the over, the uh, favorites this week. But I, I, I liked the way that Louisville line looked uh, against the North Carolina team that I still think isn't very good. I think last week was, was more about North Carolina not being very good than it was about Cal being good. Um, so I think, I think Louisville bounces back from a close game against Purdue and, and takes care of business against North Carolina. And then – I kind of like ULM catching like 35 and a half or whatever they're catching against Florida State. Mm. Uh, little Bama hangover for Florida State. Feeling the sting from all those hits. Uh, breaking in a true freshman quarterback. There, ULM is against Memphis, and granted it was in an absolute monsoon, but they looked less inept than they have the, the past you know, a couple of seasons that, you know, that, that new coach there had a couple of years now to get his system in place. I think ULM will be not terrible this year. 35 and a half is a lot of points. Um, I, I lean, you know, taking all those. For, like what? Uh, 31 to seven or something like that. Yeah. Just Florida state, just getting out of this thing and just, you know, letting, letting just surviving and just kind of recovering from that Alabama situation. Cause there's, I mean, there's a lot of, that was an emotional, game they lose their quarterback it's you know there's always an Alabama hangover effect um I I just I think uh, yeah I I I like and I don't know what the total is but I might take the under there too just because I can't see ULM scoring a lot of points on that defense but I don't know that Florida State's going to set the world on fire on offense either punts Barton's calling for punts what do we think about Alabama's hangover that that Fresno State line. That's another one that's in the thirties. God, that was one I hated that we had to pick. That was no, that was the 40s. no. That's at forty four right now. That one I hated picking that one. Yeah, don't pick that one. I mean, I, I'm sure if you're an Alabama fan, you've already put five grand on Alabama minus the points. But just don't bet that one. Stay away from it. Fresno State, baby. Alabama. The only reason I ended up for our picks for our picks deal. The only reason I ended up picking Fresno State. Is because or not Fresno State? I, I picked Alabama, though. I don't even. I may change it. Like I hate that line, but I I didn't pick Fresno State because I envision a second half in which Tua is under center and they're getting him getting him lathered up and he's just uncorking it all over the yard to to all his freshman wide receivers and they you know they want to get those guys some reps catching footballs and they you know put up. 
40 points in the second half or something accidentally. So I, I that one's a scary game for me, but I, I can't see their Alabama second team getting stopped by anyone on Fresno State. Alabama I, has farted around in this spot before, though. Yeah. What, what I love about this game <clears throat> is that the spread's currently at 44 points. The over-under is 53 and a half. <laughs> yeah, if Fresno State scores like a touchdown, you gotta, you got to have a hard time. <laughs> yeah. You know, but... I'm like, yeah. I'm going to see Fresno State run the opening kickoff back and just just start counting my imaginary uh my imaginary mm. expert pick dollars. Your, your podcast pesos. <laughs> my podcast pesos. <laughs> um let's see. What else? Make sure that we don't get out of here. I got a couple I like. All right. Not locks, but uh, I like I like Nebraska, which is currently at Getting thirteen and a half points against Oregon. That that line's been strange. It opened with Oregon minus ten, jumped to minus fourteen, and now it's come back down a bit to thirteen and a half. I, I still like Nebraska there. And I also like Western Michigan catching seven points against Michigan State. Mm. I uh, Michigan State looked pretty good against bowling green last week, but I, I am still not a believer in the Spartans this year. And Western Michigan Looked impressive on the road against USC in like you know ninety nine degree temperatures, high heat. So I, I expect them to look still you know pretty good against Michigan State team that's not quite on the level of USC. Yeah, I agree with that. Though they Michigan State prides themselves on being able to stop the run, and and I think that defense should be up to the task. Uh, I would wonder what's the total on that. That might be an underplay too. The total is at fifty. Oh, I like that under. Um, 17 to 10, 24, 13. Yeah. I like that sort of thing. Um, I got a couple reverse line movements. Yeah. The ticker, the reverse line ticker, uh, anti-public line movement ticker is (laughs) getting the alert in the house. Uh, one of them is Northwestern. In fact, the, the the most dramatic one that I found was Northwestern. Um, that started at a pick, moved to three and a half with only 27% of the public on Northwestern. Mm. Um, so that one was interesting. The other one you mentioned, Oregon. Um, that one's got some anti-public line movement. That one opened at 10 up to, you know, last I saw 14 with only 33% of the public on Oregon. That line is, that line is weird. Um, I'm with you on that one, Tom. That's, um, and then the other one's Arkansas. Uh, that went from two and a half, that went from Arkansas being favored. Yikes. It, to all the way down to Arkansas three point dog. Um, like that moved like six, six points um, with 66% on Arkansas. So that's, you know, th- those are just those are not recommendations. Those are just last week the reverse line movements with one and two. Um, those are just games to to keep an eye on um, in terms of where you know line is moving uh, anti public action. Um, so those th- those three I think are are games to watch. But the the only one that really was dramatic was the Northwestern one, which is the one I kind of like the most. What do you, do you think that Oregon wins that game? I mean, the line's definitely funny. I don't feel good about it at all. That's strange. But do you think Oregon yeah. wins? I think Oregon wins. I just don't think there there's enough of a gap between those two teams to justify two touchdown spread. I I actually uh, the more I think about this game, the more I almost wish I'd put this in one of my locks. Uh, I I like 
Nebraska in this because Oregon is getting some kind of ridiculous hype this year mm. just because they have a new coach. Mm. And like they, I don't get like why everyone is just all thinking like Oregon's going to be a contender in the North. This is a I mean they've got no receivers to speak of. They've got a defense that's starting like three f- true freshmen. Um, I just don't understand why there's like a, now that look they may pr- they may go out and, and kill it, but why why are we confident in Oregon? Um, meanwhile, Nebraska's they've got a a really good quarterback, Bob um, Diaco. Uh, yeah, I just there's there's a uh, I like Nebraska here. Um, I <laughs> I like the the really. The the listeners that stick with us till the end get when Bart get the uh, heated Barton noted Oregon hater out here <laughs> at the one hour and uh, nine ten minute mark. That's, we can't Oregon's- say what he normally calls the ducks. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think Oregon is about to be a powerhouse again. Uh, just just not. I just don't think it's this year. Just so. the uh, what's it. They've they've got uh, they're starting some young dudes out there, right? Are they going to be a team that gets freshmen everywhere on defense? Yeah, that that might be a team that's uh, scarier in November. Keep an eye on that. Right. Um, All right, gentlemen. um, Thank you so much. This has been awesome. This has been good. Best of luck. Worst of luck. We will be keeping track as uh, as our competition continues on into week two. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter, at Barton Simmons. You can follow him, I'm pointing uh, at the computer, at Tom Fernelli. And you can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Make sure you subscribe to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast because subscribers get them first. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Trust the process. We're picking locks. My blue plate special five-star locks are coming Come get these locks. Five star master lock. Lock it up. You want these locks? I'm 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 living and dying every every point, every cover.